time keeps slipping away, and so do the Hawks. We just got to get dirty and make some plays early in that game. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I'm your host, Sarah Spencer, Hawks beat reporter for the AJC, and today we're going to talk the most recent loss to the Pelicans, dig into the past week, and we'll talk just kind of the overall state of the team with 11 regular season games to go. If you're listening to us for the first time, please follow or subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Hawks Report is brought to you by Emory Healthcare, the official team healthcare provider of the Atlanta Hawks. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Um, Before we get into it, I have a random funny story that involves mascots. So bear with me here. This okay, so I'm like sitting in the media room. This was a home game um, against the, the Pelicans on Sunday. And I'm sitting in the media room actually with noise canceling headphones on super duper in the zone. And behind me, I just kind of sense like some sort of ruckus sort of. And I can just tell there's something going on behind me. And I turn around and I start to see like several mascots just walking in a straight line, but pretty orderly fashion, more so than mascots normally are. Because obviously, you know, they're not like in front of like fans right now. So they're just, you know, they're just doing their normal, normal person thing. But like what really struck me, so I turn around and I I see um, the mascot for the Hornets. And I'm like, is this... who did the Hawks play tonight? I don't I don't think it's the Hornets. Am I at the wrong game? Did I accidentally drive to Charlotte? Then um, the mascot for the Heat is there. And I'm like, what is happening here? Then I see the Falcons mascot. I see the College Park Skyhawks, Hawks G League affiliate. Who else was there? Blooper, one of my absolute favorites. Blooper. That guy's like so crazy. It's, it's awesome. Um, obviously, I see Harry the Hawk. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then, so then I'm like, okay, this is, this is interesting. I was like, turn, I turned around and I was like, what is happening? And then actually like the poor Miami Heat mascot, whose name escapes me right now, like gets stuck between like two chairs trying to like walk through them. Oh, poor guy. Luckily nobody saw it but me, but I am telling the story now. So yikes. And then, um, so I go back to doing my thing. Then this line of mascots comes through again, like 15 or six, 16. That's really specific. Like 15, 20 minutes later or something like that. And I'm like, what are these masks? Am I at a mascot congregation? What is happening here? Um, convention, not congregation. Um, it's been a long night, y'all. <laughs> and 
then I come to, then come to find out it was kids night at State Farm Arena. And that's why all the mascots were there because mascots are fun and entertaining, not just for kids, but also me because I got a huge kick out of that. Um, I was like waving to them in the media room, <laughs> They're, like three feet away. Um, anyway, just just a really fun game, I suppose, from the mascot perspective. That was definitely the entertainment was on point game against the Pelicans. There was definitely some excitement late. The Hawks very nearly made a very nearly made a, a comeback once they started playing like we know that they can. But obviously the problem with the Hawks is the season has not been potential or ability to ability to get it going. It's just ability to stay going and and find that consistency. Um so they actually won the fourth quarter to work backwards here. They won the fourth quarter 36-26, and um, they turned it up late, but it was not enough to overcome one of the more haywire for- first quarters I've probably seen. <laughs> this was just a this is just a really, really haywire first quarter. And we're gonna talk more about that game in just one second. Um, entering this game, the Hawks had actually won four of their last five. Um, so they were kind of looking like they were picking up some steam coming into this game. And I mean, this is just one loss, but it comes against a very shorthanded New Orleans team. Obviously the Hawks did not have John Collins, but Trey Young was back for this one, um, which was good news, but Trey had a pretty off night. Um, he had 21 points, 10 assists, he was minus 19, though, um, 5 for 14 from the floor. And seven turnovers, five of those actually came in the first quarter alone. And so that's back to back to the Haywire first quarter. I had to kind of come up with a, a synonym for Haywire here because I've said it like 10 times. Um, just bizarre. There we go. Um, bizarre first quarter. Nine turnovers in the first quarter alone. And... If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that the Hawks, that that's not the Hawks identity this year. Like, yes, sometimes Trey struggles with turnovers, but the Hawks average 11.9 turnovers per game. That's the fewest in the league. And that's kind of typical for a Nate McMillan team. Um, he's he, he's very big on that, controlling that, understandably so. At one point, the Hawks had four turnovers in like 32 seconds, two from Kevin Herter, two from Trey Young. That was, I mean, I remember my, um, I guess, colleague, Chris Kirshner, who sits to my left at home games. He like stood out of his seat. He was like, what is happening? Like, just what is going on? Um, so definitely just a bizarre, a bizarre start. And they, so, so the Hawks were down 35, 18, seemingly almost like before you could blink like all the turnovers almost made the first quarter go by quickly um at least maybe from from my perspective watching that game just because it was so just back and forth and just kind of all over the place and then it was just like blink that 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 was the first quarter I guess um and really just a really just an odd way to start a game. And so the Hawks were kind of playing from a tough position the entire night um, because of how they played to start this game. They put themselves in a really tough position, um, ended up actually winning the second quarter, 32-25. 
Um, the third quarter was up and down, and then they did they won the fourth decisively, and we'll get into kind of the final few final few seconds and final few plays here. Um, but they turned it on when they needed to. But you know, I mean, you make one or two mistakes down the stretch or one or two shots don't fall. And if you've put yourself in that position, I mean, that's going to lose you the game. And unfortunately, because they got down so big and so loudly in that first quarter, it just wasn't enough to to come all the way back. Um, Danilo Gallinari, this was a, a season high, 27 points from him. He was actually plus four in the, uh, in a game that the Hawks lost 117, 100 to 12. Probably would have been good to, to tell the final score a little a little earlier uh, when I started talking about this game. Anyway, it was 117, 100, uh, 117 to 112. The Hawks lost this one to the Pelicans Sunday. Obviously, the Pelicans are missing quite a few guys. You know, Zion's not playing um, to to kind of put the biggest name out there. Um, good, day, good game from Gallo and DeLon Wright, who just, I guess it's been several games ago now, that was sort of going to be out of the rotation um, gave you he had a, a few mistakes just like almost all the guys did in this game but um, he had another good you know defensive game and in a game where not much was going right he was you know scrapping you know defensively um, but it just ultimately was not enough to overcome that slow start which I don't even know if slow start is the way to put it because it was fast it was just bad um but anyway so here's Hawks coach Nate McMillan who you heard at the beginning of this episode um talking about how despite the slow start or bad start um they should have been able to overcome it I think we had nine turnovers in that first quarter but you got three quarters to uh, get it back and um I thought we uh, just didn't react to that, you know, come out, you know, aggressive. Uh, we just got to get dirty and uh, make some plays uh, early in that game. I did a bad job um, turning the ball over in the first quarter and they got out to a big lead, 35 to what, 18. We didn't score. Uh, I didn't give us a chance to really score in the first quarter. And uh, we fought hard to get ourselves back in the game, but it was just too much to overcome. And our first quarter really hurt us tonight. So that's Trey Young. And in fairness, he is, you know, taking some accountability there after after a rough game. Um, and I want to take a second to talk about the fourth quarter here because Trey did. Yes, there were this was a mistake filled game for, you know, the Hawks overall and, and Trey definitely. But he did kind of start to pick it up toward the end of the game. He made some made some um, plays in the fourth. He actually hit a three to tie it 108-108 with 208 to play in the fourth. And then a few seconds later, he finds Capella, Clint Capella, Hawk Center, Clint Capella on a lob. And then that ties it again at 110-110. Jonas Valanciunas, uh, who has kind of always given the Hawks some trouble, you know, back when he was in Memphis, um, wherever he's been, Valanciunas, big seven-footer, has kind of given the Hawks fits. Um, and he did it again in this game. Um, Valanciunas hits a little fadeaway shot. So so the Hawks basically give up uh, four quick points. And then Trey Young makes two free throws. So you're within two. And then three free throws for the Pelicans. And um, actually by former Georgia Tech player, Jose Alvarado, um, goes three for three from the line. And they just pull away at the end after... 
um, after a foul by Trey Young late. So Trey did definitely step up and take a little bit of accountability there. And, you know, it made sense because it, it was, a, you know, it was a rough start, rough game for Trey. When you look a little bit deeper into the box score, because, um, again, he did have 21 points and 10 assists. So that's a, a, a nice double-double there. But overall, it, this was just not, you know, not winning plays. And he um, – I, I actually had asked him to sort of explain – what the Pelicans were doing to present so many problems in that first quarter for the Hawks. Uh, I mean, they got a lot of good wing defenders. They got a lot of guys who, who have uh, some size and length on the wings and um, they made some good reads. They were really pulling in to help on the, the roller. And then uh, the guy who had to, to guard two made a good job of just picking the right one. And uh, I mean, I made a couple of turnovers and picking the wrong one. So uh, I think it's they did a you got to tip your hats to them when making some right reads and give credit to them sometimes. And um, that's a fair point by Trey. I actually think so. So Trey gave that um, explanation. Nate McMillan actually spoke, to, actually talked about it a little differently, saying that some of them were, um, and these answers didn't necessarily directly contradict each other they were just different perspectives on it Nate McMillan mentioned that um some of them were unforced and you were kind of throwing them right to uh, not Trey in particular but the Hawks overall were just kind of like I mean it basically saying that there were just some sloppy passes out there um so anyway the you know the Hawks have struggled in the fourth quarter um often this season but slow starts have also been a problem for them um obviously this team is 35 and 36 so they've had more than one issue to to work through this season um but slow starts have been a problem and especially now that really every game matters and and every game matters in general but you know 11 regular season games left so if you're trying to if you're trying to creep up in the standings and position yourself as best for the postseason as possible, which the Hawks are obviously um, in the play-in tournament. That's that's the you know every every game carries even more gravity now. Um, so here's Trey Young and Nate McMillan kind of trying to explain why those slow starts have been an issue. I mean, when you play a lot of games, you play 82 games, you're gonna and you have the, the type of guys that come. I mean, are in and out of the lineups with injuries, and this year with COVID. I mean, it's going to be some some rough starts sometimes and some times and stretches where you don't do well. So, I mean, I think tonight is, is different. It's a different case. I'm not going to say every night is the same, but I think tonight I didn't do a good job of taking care of the ball in the first quarter. And uh, I had five, I think, in the first. Well, tonight it was the turnovers. You know, I, I mean, you, it's, it's just tough to get anything going when you uh, turn the ball over nine times the start of the game, the, fir the first quarter. So to try to get momentum or try to get any type of rhythm, you're not establishing your offense uh, and you're not able to establish your defense uh, because those turnovers are leading to transition baskets. So um, tonight, that was the reason uh, for the slow start. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks weren't able to establish anything really because in that first quarter because they were you know that when you turn the ball over obviously that takes away a shot opportunity that takes away a possession and then you're scrambling on defense so you're putting yourself in a really rough position there um so Gallo who again this was a good this was a good Gallo game um and the Hawks overall didn't shoot 
great from three. Um, Gallo was three for nine, but 11 for 21 from the floor, two for two from the line, um, five rebounds, three assists, and obviously 27 points. That's a season high for him. And plus four in a game where the Hawks were struggling. Actually, the whole bench unit was pretty good, which obviously uh, he is starting because John Collins is out injured. Um, But overall, that sort of typical, I guess, bench unit of him, Bogey, DeLon Wright, Lou Williams, Onyeka Kongwu, that that unit did definitely fight and scrap. It it wasn't perfect, but they were kind of keeping the Hawks in this game a lot of times. Um, so Gallo also talked about how to fix that slow start problem. Is is another, I don't know. I mean, it's, if I had the answer or uh, we would have fixed it, uh, you know, already. Uh, I think that mentally uh, we got to be uh, tougher, all of us. Um, we can we can have those. I think that the ups and downs are more mental than anything else, especially in the game. When you play home a game like this, you you coming back from a twenty point deficit, you got to win that game. Uh, and so I think that we we got to get better uh, mentally. We got to be tougher. He was also addressing just intensity overall, and you know if there's a lack of intensity in games, why is that? Um, especially given that the Hawks, you know, your backs are against the wall right now. Um, so kind of covering both of those points there. But again, the the bench fought back. Um, Bogey had 21 points, three turnovers as well for him, but he was a plus six. Um, DeLon Wright, eight points. Good defensive game from DeLon Wright. Um, one turnover. He hardly ever turns the ball over. Um, it, this was a – the bench um, – the bench has been, a you know, often – can be a strength for the Hawks, uh, especially with Bogey on that unit. They've really um, hit their stride there. Um, but unfortunately, it wasn't enough to to come back from all the damage that was suffered in that first quarter. And this is the Hawks report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Once again, thank you to everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com and listens to this podcast, too. Thanks for subscribing to this as well, Um, because your subscriptions are really what makes all of this possible. And if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast in your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. And I'm really, I'm like very surprised that I don't stumble over that link more than I do, but (laughs) somehow I can pronounce it just fine. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. Okay, folks. So to keep talking about the Hawks, I am going to bring in producer Jay and his booming radio voice. And we're going to keep talking about the team. So I asked the AJC orchestra for a little change this week. Ooh, what did they do? For the mailbag Mm -hmm. segment. Because you know, we got the... But I figured that was a little too dramatic, cause so too much of a downer because of what happened. So I asked them for some happier, more inspirational music for our uh, mailbag segment. This is 
so inspiring. Yeah. Hawks can't get off to a good start, but hey, it's going to be okay. <laughs> All right, here we go. First up from oh uh, National Champion. I think his name's Matt. He's trying to have a play on words here. But he asks, uh, I know this gets asked often, but why are they like this? Yeah, this is all my mentions. And I don't blame anybody because this is a team that has not been. Okay, so they just fell to 35 and 36. So sub 500. They've reached 500 twice recently. Um, but they have not been over 500. So not at 500, but over 500 since they were 13 and 12. And 13 and 12 was, they beat Minnesota that day. That was December 6th. So that was 2021. It's 2022 right now. Um, so that was December 6th. They were 13 and 12 for a few days. And then they lost um, two in a row. They were under 500 for a long time. Finally got back up to 500. Now they're back under 500. So anyway, all that to say, um, because it ties into my answer, I think they're like this because this this team is inconsistent it's not that this team is is bad or um doesn't have it in them it's just finding that consistency and Gallo even talked about that a little bit about being mentally tough and being able to um he was kind of talking about you know keeping that intensity high um, and I do think a lot of it can be mental sometimes, but as far as specifically this game, why are they like this? <laughs> I think Trey Young had an off night. It's not all on him, but of course that is your star. Um, I think he had an off night. I think you can't really have nine turnovers in the first quarter and expect the game to go great. <laughs> And inconsistency, it just seems like sometimes, and, and you know, this kind of harkens back to, even Trey has spoken about this, sometimes the Hawks lose the games that you would think, not that they would think that they've gotten the bag, but even like me covering the team, when you see, you know, Devontae Graham was out for New Orleans, like when you see the the players that are out for the Pelicans, and you're just kind of thinking, um, okay, like the Hawks can, can win this game. They, they, this is a, this is a team they can beat and they lose it. And then the game before Trey was injured and he, he missed this game with a, or sorry, he missed that past game against the Grizzlies with the left quad contusion. And that had happened in the game before to Charlotte, which was a loss, which was a little maybe sort of sneak peek of the play-in tournament, perhaps. We'll see. But anyway, so Friday against Memphis, the second, the number two team in the West, you know, fantastic this season. They're playing without Trey Young and John Collins, and they win big, 120 to 105. Um, season high for bogey. Uh, I mean, just they, they win big Friday, and then they get Trey Young back and then they, you know, they lose Sunday. Um, so I think just, there's just a lot of inconsistencies. I know that's not the most fun. <laughs> I know that's not the most fun answer. Um, because I think the next question is, well, why can't you be more consistent? Um, you know, I'm not an NBA coach. Um, but I, I do think that just getting that consistency is something that's so big for this team and they just have not been able to do it. So that's, 
I guess that's why they're they're like this. <laughs> All right, next up's from Blake Rogers. When does Nate ride with the second unit and get Delon, Lou, and Bogey in the backcourt instead of Trey and Kev when they simply didn't come to play tonight? So, I mean, obviously Trey's your star, and Trey, even when he struggles, is a guy who can get hot. And you're not going to want to leave Trey off the floor for too long. The Hawks are just massively better with him. Uh, Like, the the Hawks scoring numbers. Trey is this offense in a lot of ways. Like, he's the heart of this offense. He leads this offense. Kevin Herter actually did not play very much in this game. He played 18 minutes. He was 0 for 5. You know, it was just a – he went scoreless. It was just a really – it was a struggle for him and I'm not going to pile on because everybody has some bad games here or there. Um, they definitely could have used more from Kevin, but it was just one of those nights for him. Um, and so they, he actually did, um, Delon Wright, who again was like borderline, you know, out of the rotation just a few games ago has really been showing his stuff lately, which has been cool to see because I think Delon, I think the Hawks, one of the things that was a little bit confusing when Nate mentioned that Delon was going to be the guy who, um, you know, who's playing time. He he did say, you know, it wasn't that he had done anything wrong. Um, but one of the when Delon was going to be the guys, the guy whose minutes go down. I actually think the Hawks need more Delon. Right? Um, Delon is maybe not flashy, but the Hawks have a ton of shooters. Really, what you need is that just gritty defensive play the right way get a get a little scrappy steal as someone's inbounding the ball like that kind of stuff I think they need more of that so Delon played 26 minutes or uh, 27 um off the bench um Lou played 14 minutes um seven points for for Lou um Bogey has been Bogey's been playing I know he's coming out the bench but Bogey uh played 32 minutes Sunday in Sunday's loss and bogey actually plays quite a bit even though he's coming off the bench um so I mean you're you're not gonna not play Trey uh, but he actually did um favor that bench unit because um in the in the second quarter um to start the fourth that bench unit was the unit that was getting the Hawks back in this one um and Clint Capella played with this unit a decent bit as well um so yeah I mean I I think that he he did do that because he saw that it was um working all right next up from BB Cohen Trey gets most of the national blame on defense how much is actually deserved well I think some of it is deserved just because um Trey is not you know a defensive player I mean obviously he is so much of the Hawks what makes the Hawks go when it comes to scoring and and playmaking and I do think that he when he turns it on defensively you'll see him like get into passing lanes and grab a steal here or there I think that some of it is deserved but I think also the Hawks overall need to be more cohesive defensively I think last year Clint Capella was just such a Superman at the rim that I think um, I think you kind of get used to that a little bit. And I think he cleaned up so much for the Hawks. Um, he cleaned up so much for the Hawks in the paint, but that's not necessarily something that you can rely on at all, at all times. Um, so I do think that Trey, 
you know, could turn it on more defensively. Um, but I also think the team overall probably needs to have more of a defensive identity. And obviously Trey's not the only player on the Hawks who struggles defensively. You know, Gallo's not really a, a defensive guy. Um, but there's also players like, you know, DeAndre Hunter, there's so much that the Hawks need from him defensively, and he's been a little bit up and down both offensively and defensively this season. Um, so I do think some of it is deserved with Trey, and I do think that, you know, they need they probably need more from him defensively, but they also – the Hawks it, – it's fair to point out that the Hawks are so good offensively, largely because of Trey – that if they could just get up to like league average defense, I think that would make a big difference. And I don't know. I mean, you'll we'll see how the the rest of this season goes, but maybe that's something that this roster needs more of, and maybe that's something that they address, you know, through a, a roster shakeup or or tweak in the off season. Who knows? All right, last one. Also, defense. True to Atlanta asks, why does it seem like Onyeka isn't aggressive on defense? Um, so I actually don't know if I would agree with that. Um, I think he's had, I think the biggest thing with Onyeka lately is he's been getting in foul trouble a good bit. And I think you're trying to see, I think you're starting to see him, you know, kind of try not to get in as much foul trouble and maybe adjust a little bit. Um, but I don't know if I've seen him not be aggressive. Um, I think, I don't think every single game though is going to be him, you know, with some crazy block on like Joel Embiid or like um, Giannis, like you saw Anyeka really show out in a couple games against like Cat, you know. Um, not every game is going to be, you know, a highlight reel like that. Um, but I don't know if I've seen him. I don't think I've seen him not being aggressive. He's still getting in some foul trouble though, um, and he could also be rebounding a little bit more. Um, so I think those are two things that the Hawks probably need to get from Anyeka. And have you listened to the Braves report yet? <gasps> I haven't. Oh, don't 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 get mad at me. Don't don't get mad at me. I need to. Do well, we got it. we got a good show coming out. Well, a good show's out today too. Uh, so when you're done listening to the Hawks report, please, along with Sarah, go listen to the Braves report with me and Justin Toscano, breaking down a chaotic uh, week of Braves news to start spring training. Everybody, we all have our homework, and let's let's go do it. Listen to the Braves report in addition to, in addition to the Hawks report, of course. Um, so let's look ahead a little bit here. Um, the Hawks will play in New York Tuesday and then in Detroit Wednesday. And this is, like I said, you know, 11 regular season games left, obviously a slim margin for error here. Um, the Knicks lost Sunday to the Jazz. Um, actually, I mean, that's going to be a tough that's obviously going to be a, a tough one right there with as good as Utah is. Um, but uh, the Knicks overall have been playing pretty well lately. Um, so that's something to their, their last, you know, seven or eight games. So that, that is something to keep an eye on just as far as um, playing standings and whatnot. So basically the Hawks have Got to be a little bit careful with where they are in that final play-in tournament spot. They're at number 10. Um, they've been in 10th for a little bit. Traded places with Charlotte a few times at 9th. Um, so the Raptors are in 7th right now. That's the first slot for the play-in tournament. 
then you've got the Hornets four games back from that, and then you've got the Hawks five games back from that. So the Hornets are a game ahead, and we're recording this Sunday night in case anything changes. Um, so, so yes, so then the Hawks are, are five games back from the Raptors, and then you've got the Wizards who are four and a half games back from the Hawks, and then the Knicks are a half game behind the Wizards. So that's a whole lot of arithmetic right there um, for me to do off the top of my head, even though it's just basic addition and subtraction. Um, But yeah, so that's where it stands right now in the East. Everyone's pretty clumped together. Um, For example, the Nets are just one game ahead of the Hornets, who are just one game ahead of the Hawks. So 11 games to go. I would say that's a, you know, a pretty comfortable lead when it comes to the Hawks being ahead of the Wizards and the Knicks, but you don't want to test that. And then in addition, there is still some upward mobility if they can find some consistency and win some games consistently. But I think the thing with the Hawks this season has been you sort of win a game or two and then you lose a game or two and then you win three and then you lose one and then you win one and then you lose one. And sometimes, I mean, basketball, it's a game of runs, a season of runs and, and That happens sometimes when you're a 500-ish team. But obviously, when you're looking to climb in the standings, they're going to have to chip away here if they want to climb. Um, But... You know, if you're if you're tenth in the play-in tournament, you are gonna you're gonna go to the play-in tournament. But you'd rather be a seven or an eight, obviously. Um, so that's where things stand. And I think that's pretty much all I've got for today's episode, y'all. So thank you so much for listening. Um, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share, all that good stuff. As I always say, uh, we'll have another another episode for you later this week. And yeah, thank you guys again for listening to the Hops Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop.